Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckard. We have Blazers things to talk about. Media day. Media day. So after a long summer of waiting for, you know, the excitement, uh, now we have all the interviews to talk about. How are you, Dave? How are you feeling? Well, I mean, Media Day is always much ado about everything. You know, I mean, it's it's like, okay, uh, you love it because it's your first time hearing from these guys as a group, seeing the organization all together, seeing some of these names that you've heard about, debated about, seen film of all summer, and now they're sitting there live all in one place. Uh, that said, nothing happens uh, you know, it is, it's not like anything changed, but it's still, it's like the opening credits, right? It's like, no, 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 no. It's like that, you know, that like the, the, the studio intro, like universal, da, 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 <laughs> right? You know, that's what this is. So, you know, that you just sat down in the seat, you heard that it's time to watch the feature, uh, and, uh, what it will be like though is still up in the air, of course. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, we're going to go through a lot of what was said. But the one thing that I want to say that I think was really, at least for me, is watching this media day and and the media availability from Dwayne and Joe Cronin and the players and everybody, there was a very different feel than I feel like we've had in a while. You know, last season at this time, we were dealing with some controversy. And the seasons before that, we had Neil. So this year is a very, it felt, it felt genuine to me. And obviously I know that there's, you know, there's some choices that are made about what's said and things like that, but, but it felt genuine. It felt like there was some excitement. It felt like there was some newness where I feel like the last several years, it's just been the same things over and over and over again. And this year it feels like there's some hope. That was nice. It was nice to sit down and feel like I really enjoyed hearing what they had to say. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the place to start. The mood was much, much different. I I wrote about this on Tuesday. So in the Olshay era, you knew what you were going to hear. You were going to hear 
Damian Lillard with either some measure of optimism or resignation, depending on the year, right? You're going to hear CJ McCollum, and he's he's always got it going. You know, there's always something. There's the wine. There's the media stuff. CJ's going to be, like, energetic and stuff, and he's happy with his lot in life. And those two are the center. And then you can hear the actual center, Yusuf Nurkic, who would probably be saying, this is going to be the year when we are good and I get more playing time. And other than that, it was hired guns, right? As much as we liked them, as much as we thought they'd fit or whatever. Look, when you bring a Robert Covington or Trevor Ariza in here, you're not getting energy. You know, you're not getting like, I'm here to pledge my heart to this team and have an excite. It's like, nope, they hired me to do this. I'm going to do this. And so you, you just got the sense that it was a little bit mechanical, uh, but also just a little bit, you just knew, okay, this is going to be about whether Damian Lillard can carry you, and that's the story. And if, if they finally got the right combination. This year, look what they talked about. Young players, right? And we're excited, yeah. and we have chemistry, and we're looking forward, and you know we're all here to support Dame instead of Dame being there to support everybody else, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and you got some actual new veterans who, I mean, yes, are they hired guns? Sure, but one just got signed to the longest-term contract he's ever gotten, uh, and the other one hopes to get signed to an extension. So they actually have some investment. Now, I'm not saying Jeremy Grant and Gary Payton were the most exciting interviews in the world, but even so. They have something they have something at stake here. You know, they've they have cash yeah. on the table. So the whole mood was more energetic. Doesn't mean it's going to be more productive, but the spirit was sure different. The other thing that was different is we got through the entire media day without one person asking if Damian Lillard was going to stay in Portland. <laughs> well, they sh- and, they shut that down. Right. And my well, my favorite part was maybe when Nurk sat down and said, anyone know if Dame's staying? <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, sure. But that in itself headed off those questions. And obviously, it wasn't going to be asked after he signed that extension. It wasn't going to be asked because it it had been the controversy last media day, right? And it just would have been shut down. You know what I mean? It would have been, whoever asked it, it would have been looked at askance doesn't mean that Lillard's situation has changed. I mean, six months from now, we may be asking this question again if they win 20 games. But it's been so exhausting. I mean, I've talked about this before, how tired I am of this. And it was just really nice for once to feel like that was not the question in the air, that we could all get through this. We weren't going to have to listen to all the you know media people talking for the next two weeks about, is Dame leaving Portland? Is he what? Is this the end? Is this whatever? Like, we didn't have to hear that. And we knew that going in and that that was a nice change. Yeah, but to be fair, that's up to Dame, isn't it? I mean, these things didn't get pulled out of thin air last year. He had no, Instagram. He was making comments. There were things going uh, around. And out, no, he did not. People did not make this up. He. I don't know. This has been this has been a question that's been asked over and over and over and over. And you know, people give Dame a hard time about how he how he always is constantly saying how loyal he is and blah 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 blah. It's because people are asking the questions and he's also not posting those things and saying those things out of the blue either. It's a cycle. And and this is this has been going on forever. The media's been questioning him, people have been questioning him. And so yeah, you know, he's he's like we always talk about, he's he's having his part of, of this narrative, but it just it was real nice to not feel like that was necessary. And I don't want to get into it here because 
like I just got done saying how nice it was to not have to talk about it. <laughs> Let's not do it here. <laughs> well, I mean, Rick, you know, whatevs. But Lillard was talking about his abdominal surgery. He was talking about his hopes. He was talking about young players, which, by the way, there's another theme that is brand new. In the Olshay era, you drained the pipeline in you diverted it to get those veteran hired guns, right? So it's not like they didn't have young players, but the young players weren't the story. This year, for better or worse, the Blazers are relying on a lot of young players who uh, are looking to make their mark and who they deem are exciting. And so Damian Lillard himself was talking about people like Shaden Sharp and Nasir Little. Nasir Little also talking about Nasir Little, Shaden Sharp. And, you know, look at the number of people that came up and the interviews you were kind of interested in. I'm not saying you were down into the Eubanks territory where people were hanging on every word. But you know what? It mattered when Nasir Little talked. It mattered when Shaden Sharp talked. That's new. That's different this year. Yeah. So let's get into it a little bit. So Dame's back. He's feeling good. That's the overall. You know, Dame Dame has been dealing with injuries. Everybody's kind of been going into the season wondering how he's going to be, and and he's good. He seems to be excited about the the future. He he talks about how he feels like the team is much closer than it's been in the past. To you know, I'm assuming what he means is is contending here that that they're making strides in the right direction, which I agree with. I think that this team, like we just talked about at the at the beginning here, this team is. There's some hope here, and and I'm not saying they're going to go out and win this year, although I'm not saying they're not, but they're making strides in the right direction. It feels like, you know, they have a timeline here a little bit with Dame, which was also said, and they have time to kind of make some moves and work through that towards that direction. That's the goal. That's the goal, and they're working towards it, and you can see that they're working towards it. Yes, although I would say that their goal actually, at least partially, was accomplished yesterday. Because I'm not sure that they're in the place where they can talk about wins and losses. And they sure did not talk about contending. I mean, even Joe, even Joe Cronin deflected right. that, right? I think they know that they don't know who they are. I think they know that the chances of them getting to Golden State's level at all are dicey. And this year, really slim. So I think that they're kind of repackaging. What was yesterday about? Enthusiasm, good guys, root for the team, exciting, different different lineup, different style of play, versatility, flexibility. You never know what you're going to see. Even the players don't know exactly how they're going to fit in. Uh, you know, discover it all with us together. There's reason to watch again. And again, contrast that. And, and I don't blame the rest of the stuff we just talked about, probably Neil Olshay's fault. But I don't blame Olshay for this. He had a solid lineup that he ran with for most of a decade, right? He wasn't going to trade Dame, wasn't going to trade CJ. means it was the same every damn year. When you tuned in, there was almost no reason to do a season preview because you could have just copy-pasted last year's season preview, right? This year, they're like all about the change, flexibility, uh, a little bit of managed chaos and excitement. And that's what this team is going to be selling this year. And yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like it. Got to tell you. Yeah, a lot of focus on the young players. You know, Dame makes some comments about Keon Johnson, saying that Keon Johnson is probably the most improved, made the biggest improvement um, throughout this, the offseason. 
which I, I'm not surprised by. I mean, I, I've, I've tweeted, I've talked on the podcast since they, since we got Keon Johnson, how I thought he was going to be great. I think, you know, I remember very clearly watching him when he was still with the Clippers and I was shooting those games. I remember watching him before games and, you know, they come out and they're kind of talking and chatting and, you know, having fun and whatever. And he was just, he was dialed in. He was not talking and chatting and having fun. He was focused. He was working. He was, he, he was focused. And, and, and I remember thinking like, there's something different here. He's, he is a, not that they're not all hard. They're all hard workers. I'm not saying that, but like he was, there was just a different level. And I am not at all surprised that he went out and spent the off season improving and, and becoming better. And that that's being seen. I think, again, I'm going to say, I think Keon Johnson is someone to watch. I think his ceiling is high. And I think that he's going to be somebody that, you know, if, if given the opportunity is going to make, it's going to make some waves um, and hopefully, hopefully with Portland. Yeah. Well, I mean, that will be the interesting thing. And, and this brings us, I don't know where you're going to go, but kind of to the odd man out, which was Josh Hart right? Because Josh Hart is a veteran who can play multiple positions. Those positions exactly duplicate the young guys they were talking about, Keon Johnson, Shaden Sharp, and Nasir Little. So you got the sense of a little bit which way the wind is blowing. Josh Hart's going, I want to start. I want to, I don't want to take a bench roll. I don't want to take a back seat. And the Blazers are going, look at all these young guys who play shooting guard and small forward, right? So uh, that situation, I think, is going to come to a head. And that's one of the things that kind of leaked out from under the crack in the door there is that there, there's still some maneuvering left to go. And I would bet that, uh, well, I think Hart's gone anyway. I don't think one has it's correlation. It's not causation. I think Hart's going to be traded uh, or will leave after the end of the year, as we have talked about. But I think the Blazers are hoping that they're fine with that because exactly what you said. Here comes Keon Johnson. Here comes Nasir Little. Here comes Shaden Sharp. All right, we're good. We don't have to bank all our future improvement on this asset. Well, and so that's that's another interesting point is that, you know, they made a point to say that Damian Lillard, Yusuf Nurkic, Anthony Simons, Jeremy Grant starting lineup. But there's still one spot that's open there that leaves the small forward spot open. Um, and basically the, the options for that right now for the starting spot at small forward is Josh Hart, Justice Winslow, or Nasir Little. Um, obviously, all of them want that. I think they all made that clear that they want that. Um, Josh and Justice specifically made a comment about that. I didn't catch if Nasir specifically did or not. But, you know, they, they obviously all want that starting spot. And I think that, you know, the, the comments that were made made it sound like it has a lot to do with chemistry and figuring out who's going to work the best with Dame, Nurk, Ant, and Jeremy. So I think a lot of that will probably be determined, you know, this week and going into the off season. I mean, not the off season, the preseason and trying to figure out who's going to work best with that lineup. Uh, and, and like you said, you know, they, they're in a position right now where they have a lot of options. And I think that that's definitely not a bad thing. We're used to, and I'm used to this too, you're used to kind of filling a team based on position. Well, we need a guy to play this spot. We need a guy to play this spot. Okay, we're, we're shorthanded here. But one of the things that was said, I, I want to say that it was um, Joe Cronin that, that made this comment about they prioritize versatility and the best available player above specific positions, which we haven't really seen done lately here. And I, I think it's going to I think it's going to pay off. I think it's going to give us, you know, there may be some holes and there may be some things that need to be worked out, but I think it's going to 
I think that's going to create some really interesting lineups and, and hopefully some good basketball. Well, yeah, I mean, and this is interesting. As you're talking, I was thinking, okay, so here's all these players angling for the small forward position. It's funny because I think one of the things that Joe Cronin said was, you know what, it's going to be Chauncey Billups who makes this decision. You're not going to see me. And I think he was talking about in terms of Shaden Sharp and bringing up the young guys, but I think it also, it'll be interesting to see the tension here. Because, you know, coach, coach is more than likely to go with the veteran. You know, he's going to look at that guy. And he, I mean, he, I can't imagine anyone looking at Josh Hart and saying, you know what, you shouldn't really play or shouldn't play as much. I mean, it's obvious that this guy should be getting minutes. Whether that's good for the future of the team, whether it's good for the chemistry of the team remains to be seen. But coaches aren't concerned with future and only partially with chemistry. What they want is production and respecting the guys that they've got on the, on the floor. So, yeah, I bet that that's going to go leaning heavily towards Josh Hart at the start. And it'll be interesting to see if it continues that way. And it's, it's one of the wonderful things that you watch, the difference between coaches, general managers, players, and all of their different agendas and how to work that out. Definitely. it's. I mean, there's obviously stuff that still needs to be worked through, and, and they haven't made that a secret. I think, I think anytime you change the roster up the way that they have, especially because you're not just talking about bringing in um, Gary Payton Jr. and and Jeremy Grant. You're also talking about the fact that Nurk is now healthy. Dame is now healthy. Like we we had so many injuries last season that even though some of these guys have played together, obviously you're almost kind of starting from scratch again because it's they went a whole season without playing with each other. And now on top of that, they've added in new players. And even though a lot of the guys on the roster were on the roster last year, they weren't on the roster the year before when they had. Damon and Nurk and Anthony healthy and playing. So you're in a situation now where even though it really looks like to Blazers fans who have been following, you know, Jeremy Grant and Gary Payton Jr. obviously are the big ads here, but really there's a lot of change from, from the last time that these guys all were playing together. Well, and that will be interesting. Now here's, here's the thing, right? Everybody's assuming, and it kind of media day as well, the pillars that you have in place are automatically going to stand up, okay? And there were questions about those, but they were, you know, answered pretty summarily. What happens if one of those four doesn't work out? And by the way, there are questions about all four. I mean, Damian Lillard's recovery and age uh, is kind of there. No one mentioned the age yesterday, but, you know, that's the surgery is, is one of them. Anthony Simons, can he really start? And can he really start beside Damian Lillard and create, you know, viable defense? Jeremy Grant, will he be able to accept his role? Will he be able to take less touches? Will he be efficient on offense? And will we see him make a difference in Portland's defense? And Yusuf Nurkic, we've talked about before, who is, you know, a fine center. I mean, I got no problems with Nurk. I think he's, I think he's a really good center, but also comes with a lot of question marks all the time and seems to have like three different seasons every season. Those four pillars are in themselves is kind of like, well, we haven't done this before in this way. And they're all kind of shaky in one way or another. All the attention was going on everything but those. The Blazers have actually got to establish those four first, I think. There's, it's going to be interesting to hear after this week. I think this week is going to determine a lot for for them to kind of figure some things out. But even going into the preseason, the preseason is going to be telling of a lot of things. We're going to see them matched up next to 
other NBA teams, not just each other. And and it's going to be it's going to play out. We're going to see how it plays out. And and the good news is that because of the way that they've prioritized versatility, if one of those doesn't work the way that they need them to, they can shift things around and we have options. And I think that that's a good thing. Maybe I would say, I mean, I don't disagree with you if it's like a minor one, but if Yusuf Nurkic is injured, that's a pretty big hole. And if Jeremy Grant doesn't work out, what do you do? I mean, Justice Winslow, I suppose, is the next guy. But I mean, and I, I don't look, I think Justice Winslow is a good player for what he is, too. But am I comfortable having Justin Wins- Justice Winslow as our starting power forward? Uh, you know, probably not. So like you've still got I think Joe Cronin addressed this, too. You've still got he called it a size issue, but actually it's really a depth issue. You don't have a lot of alternative plans at the four and five spot that are going to be viable if the main ones don't work out. I guess we just have to hope that they do. (laughs) Well, I mean, and I think, to be fair, I think there's a reasonable chance that they do. And I think the Blazers, look, they've got two, three months to, to give this a shakedown cruise. You know, one of the things about not expecting to contend for a title is stuff in November isn't that critical and you can afford to work your way into it. Now, they also have a terribly tough start to the schedule, which means they probably will work their way into it, whether they want to or not. But those first two months aren't going to be about wins and losses as much as seeing if this is a viable experiment. We still hope they win, just for the record. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> okay, so a couple other highlights. Um, Jabari Walker uh, was, you know, there was there's a lot of talk about his kind of surprise of, of the fan support, the outpouring of support he's already received, um, which I loved. I loved hearing that because I think, you know, we talk about that a lot, I feel like, throughout the season, that that Trailblazers fans are special. And I stand by that as having been exposed to some other fandoms. I think that there really is something truly special about Trailblazer fans. And I think you watch them rally behind these players. And, and you know, again, the, uh, if you ever wear a Trailblazers uniform and you go on to play somewhere else or you leave the league, you will always have Trailblazer fan support. And obviously, unless something that we don't want to talk about happens, you know, fans are fans. Trailblazer fans are very, very supportive of guys that suit up in Trailblazers uniforms, no matter how long they're here, no matter how big of a part they play. And I think a guy like Jabari Walker, who is coming in, he's a hard worker. You know, he's, he's happy being a role player. He's coming in to do whatever he can. He's happy to be here. I think those, that, that guy's going to do real well with Portland fans. And so it was just kind of a fun little thing to, to kind of talk about there. I love that these guys came in at this time. Now, obviously, Nasir Little's been here, right? Keon Johnson's been here a little bit too, but not really. That barely counts. There has been no better time to be a young Trailblazers player here since 2012, in a decade, literally, okay? I mean, and even then, it was only great for Damian Lillard because he was Damian Lillard, right? And... If you were someone else coming in at 2000 in 2012 and you were staring at Damian Lillard and, you know, Wesley Matthews and LaMarcus Aldridge and Robin Lopez and you're going like, yeah, I'm not going to crack this lineup. This lineup's not moving anywhere for me. No one's even going to know my name. So maybe you can go back even further to, you know, the Brandon Roy class. If you were young and good in, you know, the mid 2000s, you probably had a chance. But Oive, like in in the interim, there just wasn't a lot of room. Keon Johnson has an exciting opportunity here. Nasir Little, I think, has an exciting opportunity, even though he's probably wondering about his extension. Uh, and obviously, Shaden Sharp has it 
in spades. I mean, it's huge. This is the grand reopening, and they are part of it. And Jabari Walker, of course, qualifies for that, too. And I'm glad that he could get in here when people are going to know his name, appreciate his contributions, and he can really be more than an afterthought if he has the capacity to do so. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I think you're right. Speaking of Shaden Sharp, Shaden Sharp is one that who was all over the place in, in this. Uh, it seems like the team is really impressed with him. Dame was, again, saying, you know, just singing his praises and how, how much he thinks he's going to contribute to this team. And, um, you know, we, we saw several of the guys talking about him. He is healthy now, and they expect him to be fully ready to go. I, uh, from what I understand, based off what Cronin said, he said that all the players will be available for training camp fully, except for Gary Payton Jr., who will have to take it a little bit easy, but they're expecting him to be ready by the time the season starts. Um, so really, it looks like we're good to go on the injury front, which is nice. Hopefully that lasts. But Shaden Sharp, just really players singing all kinds of praises about him. Yeah, I mean, and right now they're the only ones who know, right? I mean, nobody else knows a thing. <laughs> it's encouraging to hear at least a couple of players mention him. Because you yeah. know why? If he were... Now, again, I, I remember I was like nose to nose with everybody when Greg Oden came in. And of course, that story was quickly derailed by his injury. But even beforehand... People were mentioning Greg Oden in the standard sense because he was a number one overall pick. Oh, yeah, we got the number one overall pick. We're glad to get the number one overall pick. This guy is, you know, the number one overall pick. You get it, right? But there was very little about Greg Oden himself in that interim in the summer when he was working his way in. They were like, yeah, uh-huh. He's got, he's probably got more of the spotlight than he deserves right now. Shaden Sharp has been kind of forgotten because the injuries and whatever, right? He's not a story. And some of his teammates and coaches or whatever are making him a story again. That's a good sign. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he's he's definitely been the mystery here. Nobody really knew going into the draft what there was with him. We hadn't seen a lot from him and then having him get injured so early on in summer league, we really didn't get to see a lot from him there either. So yeah, it, it's just kind of up in the air. Um, but I think, you know, I think especially when you have a guy like Dame, Dame's not going to go out of his way to say things about somebody if he doesn't think that they're accurate. So I think that gives me hope that, you know, we're going to see some good things from him. Um, and he's in a good position because, you know, we have leadership on this team that will really work with him and, and, Hopefully, uh, you know, I mean, I think about Anthony Simons a lot and just the way that he has grown and evolved as a player. And I think that the players that have the potential to do that, if they'll take what's offered to them in Portland, they there's people there who can really work with them. And Dame has been known to do that. And I think having a guy like Damian Lillard, who's willing to work with you and help you with your game is is that's a great thing for a young, talented player who, who has potential. Notice the shift there, though. And again, this underlines something we said earlier. How are people talking about Dame? Well, we need to support Dame. We're glad that Dame is still with us. And obviously, he's the main guy, and he's going to carry us. But we need to support him. And Dame is the mentor. And Dame is teaching us stuff. And Dame is, you know, okay. It's almost like they're talking about him like a coach. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, and that I'm not saying that this is a big turning point or that anything has changed, 
I am saying that this is not how Damian Lillard has been spoken of before, ever. And if you, you know, kind of lick your finger and stick it up in the air and see which the way the wind is blowing, the wind is now blowing downhill on Damian Lillard's career. People are beginning to speak of him, and he is beginning to speak of himself as a veteran who is starting to pass on his knowledge rather than the young player dragging the wagon uphill and pulling the team behind him. Uh, and so, again, I don't think that's going to make much of a difference this year. It will depend on his injury and a ton of other things. But those of you who are Lillard fans, which I hope all of us are, watch. Watch closely. I mean, and, and keep watching. Because you're now closer to the end of his career than you were at the beginning. And you are now seeing the mature getting closer to senior citizen in NBA terms version of Dame. And, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see how this stage of his career evolves. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that can go a couple ways. I think you can also people talking about supporting him and being there. I think they can acknowledge the fact that Dame, you know, they want Dame to win a chip too. And I think that there's some support that goes to that. I also think that Dame is, is Dame is somebody who has, carried that team and we all know he's carried that team and those players know he's carried that team and i think some of this may also be them saying look we don't want him to have to carry this team we want to be a support like we want to be a part of this too um so yeah i i hear what you're saying and i don't think you're necessarily wrong but i also think that there's i i i think i think they all there's an obvious timeline here i mean there's been an extension there's an obvious age clock that's ticking that's common knowledge we know we know that that's how this goes but that i definitely think that dame has a couple more good solid years left where he is going to come out I, I would not be surprised at all if dame comes out and has the best year he's had yeah i mean i again i don't think that there's much this year that's going to change you know i'm not saying that you know but like if you're if you're looking at this like a mountain dame has now stood on the tippy top as far as his personal journey, uh, you know, his ability. And he's now starting to, he's still high up there. He's still up there where most of us can't breathe, right? And that's not going to change. He's not going to like, you know, get on a motorcycle and rock it down the other end. You know, it is, you can, you can see it. And it's weird for me, I can tell you because, okay, I've been doing this since 2006, which means Brandon Roy, not Damien Lillard. But at this point, Brandon Roy's career seems like ancient history to all of us, right? Most of our current knowledge comes and is wrapped up around, you know, Damian Lillard. The idea that that era is heading onward, you know, is going to end, that you can see the end from here, is just a weird adjustment. Yeah, that's a good point. It is. It's very weird. Um, okay, a couple more things from the press conference or from the uh, media availability. Nurk, Nurkic talks about the team's chemistry and how that's going to be something that benefits them. Um, this is a team, I will say, that really seems to be happy to be here. They all seem happy to be here. They all seem to be guys that want to play with each other. Um, I feel like in the past, there's always been a few that have been kind of like, what was the word you used? The paid, mercenary, the, the high, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. whatever, yeah, whatever word that was that you used along those lines. That you know, there's there's guys. I, I keep thinking about Pop Popovich and his comment about why you know why are you what keeps what brings you back and he said his paycheck 
And I think that there are guys that, you know, and, and that's fair and that's legit. They're, that's a legit reason. But it seems to me like this season, you have a group of guys that's really happy to be together. They want to play together. They like each other. They seem to be having fun. And I think that, I think that's probably what Nurk is talking about here with chemistry. I also think, you know, Cronin kept making comments about how this team is going to be fun and entertaining. And I think that that's going to be true. I think that this is, and I mean, I know I'm the queen of they're fun to watch, but this. <laughs> they just I need think, to change the logo to your face. It's, like, it's not, <laughs> it's not just me saying it this time, you know, it's, it's, we're hearing that across the board that this is a team that's going to be entertaining and, and fun to watch. And, and I think that that is true. I think that this, is shaping up to be a really, really fun year. I would reiterate that you should be their spokesperson because that's what they're selling <laughs> this year. Fun is code for, we don't know what's going to happen, but this ought to be interesting. And yeah. again, if you're a Blazers fan, this is not all bad because you know what, to be tr- right. to be honest, you didn't know what was going to happen at the beginning of any of the other seasons either. Probably right. first round exit every once in a while. I mean, that one time they made it to the conference finals, but you didn't know that was going to happen, right? I mean, yeah. so the, the mystery really hasn't changed. I mean, look, it has. It's much more chaotic now, but it's not like... It's not like they had guaranteed winning and now they're going to chaos. It's like they had, you know, guaranteed mediocrity with the chance of chaos. And now they're they're trying to switch it up. So this is not a bad thing that they're selling fun. It's not that they're selling fun instead of winning. They're selling fun instead of same old, same old, which is an improvement. Well, and to his credit, Cronin also goes on to say that they're trying to get better every day, that they know that they need to improve. And, and that's a goal. So it's not like... His goal is just let's have fun, everyone. You know, he he does acknowledge that they want to be a winning team, and and that's that's what they're shooting for. Nurk also talks about wanting to be in Portland long term. He makes a comment about how you know it, he's fine with guys jumping from team to team, but he just doesn't really think that's for him, which is good to hear from Nurk. Now, granted, he's obviously just signed a, another contract and planning to stay here, so it's not the same line we've always heard from Nurk. But I'll take it. I'm happy to hear that. I'm happy to hear that in his mind, he's here long term. We heard the same thing from Gary Payton. He said, you know, I'll be unpacking my bags. So these guys, I think a a lot of the core, at least, is planning to be here for the next few years. It doesn't seem like that, you know, this is just a quick stop on their on their train to something. Um, So I, I like it. I I'll take it. Oddly enough, this is what happens when you pay people. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I like it. No, I do believe, though, Nurk said some very nice things, that even if he went somewhere else, he'd still have a home in Portland or whatever. And I believe that that still exists for a lot of players. And you know what? Yusuf Nurkic has a lot of... Yusuf Nurkic has a lot of heart, okay, as a person. I'm talking about Yusuf Nurkic as a person. I mean, his charity work, the way he looks at the world, the way he travels, he is a person who lives beyond himself and connects to things beyond himself. And if you are like that, Portland is not the worst place in the world to be because yeah. there's there's it's avant-garde on some things uh it's it's also connected you know to i mean there's there's a connection to an international connection there's obviously a connection to nature the coast uh the, you know civil rights all kinds of stuff i'm not saying it's number 1 in any of these things but it's got that vibe if you're a portlander the people you make fun of are the people in LA looking in their own mirrors or taking selfies. Right. Right. Okay. Nurk is kind of, you know, he's, he's got a, 
not entirely unportland vibe so i mean kudos to him for for saying it i believe that it's genuine i believe the team made it possible and probably brought out those feelings by actually inking the guy to another contract uh that he could live with yeah well everybody wants to feel valued and i think that nurk hasn't always and i think that this is something that made him feel valued he was in a position where look we're gonna pay you we want you here um, and and when when you feel valued and you and you see that translate, then in turn you you have some loyalty there. So I think that that's definitely true. And I think what you said about his charity work is important to highlight. I, I wanted to highlight that because I think I say over and over and over and over. I like a good basketball player. I like a good person even better. And I wanted to read this. This was actually uh, tweeted by Danny. But it's a it's a quote from Nurk and it says basketball is just a game. It's not who I am. It's sad for me that I see people out not not be out there trying to figure out how to make things better as a society. We struggle every day not being able to help people. I saw a couple thousand kids don't have shoes. So I try to buy them shoes, books, build a best a basketball court there. You could just see it was possible. I didn't plan to go there. It, he's talking about a trip he was on. I didn't plan to go there. It was a vacation, but I was just shocked and I had to do something. I'm building a school back in Bosnia where civil war was very bad. I want to help them have an opportunity, no matter what religion, white, black, just to have a chance. I think that that's always worth saying. I think you're absolutely right about him having a big heart. And I like that he's taking the opportunity uh, where he sees it and trying to to create change where he can. Yusuf Nurkic has had a complex career. I mean, Nurk fever to the broken leg to being the only guy out on the court defending hard to being the guy Terry Stott's you know, essentially pulled for not playing hard. All those things, you know, uh, have happened to the same guy. And sometimes pretty close to in the same year, at least in the same fiscal year, not the same calendar year necessarily. But I like that we get to say, see inside him. You know, I like that as now he's aged and he's got his, if not his pinnacle contract, at least his, I don't have to worry anymore contract that now he's free to be who he is because that may in the end be really the most remarkable part of him. And I'm grateful that when we get to see things like that. A couple of last things about the the press conference. Um, Anthony Simons talks about wanting to be an all-star, that that's one of his goals. Uh, I love that for him. I think he's in a place where he absolutely can, can work for that goal. Uh, he's got people around him who will help him with that. And so, you know, I, I, I hope to see that. The other thing he said that he's working on is his defense. Um, we are never going to be mad about a trailblazer working on defense. So that's always good to hear. I think Anthony Simons, if Anthony Simons can up his defensive abilities, he is going to make himself even more valuable. Yeah, I mean, this will be the most interesting year of Anthony Simon's career, bar none. The only situation that could be more critical is if somehow Lillard left and Simons is the main guy in the backcourt. But short of that, this is this is his big thing, you know, debutante. I don't mean that's going to be the best year of his career or the most decisive. This year is not going to make or break Anthony Simons. But this will be the most exciting potential packed, probably illuminating season that we've seen from him and might be the most of all those things that we see in his entire career. So this would be one of the things to circle as a Blazers fan. What is he going to look like? 
Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of good stuff on on Media Day. If you missed it and you are curious to hear a little bit more, you can go to Blazers Edge. We've got summaries of everybody who spoke up there, and and it's worth taking a few minutes to read through those and, and see more. One more thing we're gonna, I guess, kind of address here. We debated on whether or not to do this. I said initially, let's not, um, because frankly, I'm just tired. <laughs> of doing this but it does i guess directly kind of correlate to the blazers because of who we're dealing with you know there's been some some controversy uh with the celtics as of late um ime udoka their coach the short version is a statement was initially released saying that he there that he had had a consensual relationship with a coworker and that they were investigating it and would be, you know, dealing with it. Then it came out that they were suspending him for the year. Uh, then it came out that there, it was possible that it wasn't entirely consensual, at least at the end or when it was over. Uh, the problem here is there's a lot of information um, without a lot of information, you know, bits and pieces of this have been put out, uh, from different media sources, lots of some some maybe misinformation, as well as some lack of information, as well as conflicting information. And it's all just kind of been a mess. But it, ultimately, where we're at is something happened with the head coach and a member, a female member of the staff. The team, after looking into it, has felt that it's best to suspend him for a year uh, and then have said that they will deal with where to go from there at that point. And that is kind of where it's been left. Uh, I don't honestly want to say a lot about this because I think when we don't have a lot of information, there's a lot of blur here. Uh, if if it was a consensual relation, and this was what I said initially, if it's a consensual relationship, then it's an issue of um, breaking a code of conduct that you aren't supposed to have relationships with people on staff. Um, and, and that's, you deal with that. But from what it sounds like, there are some aspects of this that were not consensual. And in that case, it's obviously a big issue. Um, at the end of the day, I think for me, there's not a lot we can say or do about this with a very little bit of information. It's hard to say much. But at the end of the day, for me, one of the big lessons to learn here, aside from just all the issues with this, the ongoing issues that we consistently have to keep talking about, is just the fact that like sometimes it's best to have a bigger view and version of the story instead of just being the first to break news. And I think that this has been a frustrating thing for people to watch because what's happened is these bits and pieces of information have come out. And in this course of that, people have been hurt. Women in the Celtics organization, people, you know, immediately start trying to guess who it is that he's having an affair with because people are nosy, even though it's none of our business and it doesn't need to be said until the team releases that information. If they do, they, this isn't something that needs to be discussed, but people are nosy. So they're dragging things out you know, and, and throwing women's names out there who have nothing to do with it. And and now these women are being bullied and harassed and, and hurt in this process. And the whole thing, you know, women to be in, a, in sports, women have to work so hard to find their place there and to build respect in the first place, that to put things like that on those women is, is really not, it's not okay. Um, so I struggle to really comment much more on that other than the fact that like we know that things that are non-consent non-consensual relationships or, or or harassment or abuse um it's not okay ever there should be a zero tolerance policy for that um outside of that 
I don't know what else to say about the situation, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that's why the code of conduct exists. And the only part of that that I'd augment or maybe quibble about is that we knew in a sense that it wasn't consensual the moment the word member of staff came up. And part of that is because of the structure of an NBA organization. This is true of, of businesses as well, but businesses often have departments and various other things, right? Uh, so chain of command is difficult to ascertain. That said, in an NBA organization, there are certain people who are the central figures, no matter where they are, who are automatically chain of command influential, no matter who they are and no matter who you are. General manager, obviously, one of them. Owner, another one. We, we talked about Robert Sarver, obviously. Owner, general manager. Players, especially star players. But head coach also goes under that. When when the head coach, and I have seen this happen, by the way, even among people who work for an organization, in, in whatever department, when the head coach walks in a room, everyone knows it, okay? They are the celebrity. They are a pinnacle figure. Along with that comes a certain responsibility. You know, whether or not this person was directly in Ime Yodoka's chain of influence, like structurally, she was certainly in the chain of influence culturally. And that is something that increasingly we're finding out, I mean, just cannot happen. We already know that. That's why the code of conduct exists. And you see why. I mean, this is the fruits. Everything you just talked about that's icky about this, this would not happen if it was just, you know, this would not have, if, if Ime Yudoka had, or let's just say a head coach, had gone out and, uh, you know, slept with an Uber driver, uh, you know, on the way to an event and it came out, it would be like, okay, that's kind of uncool, feel sorry for his fiance, but, you know, end of story. We're not like digging up the entire staff of Uber to see who it was. The fact that the women in the Celtics organization had to undergo that that they have to answer questions. The fact that there is gray area as to whether that was consensual or not, and when it stopped being consensual, like in the in the actual, you know, the big picture sense, or the, I'm sorry, the micro sense, shows you that in the big picture sense, this wasn't okay. I, I'm actually glad the suspension came down, although I, I guess I do understand that this lesson hasn't been entirely learned, that in the culture, the change hasn't happened yet. But I hope that this is a little bit of a wake-up call to everyone, that this simply cannot be risked. The reason it cannot be risked is not just because of the reputation or salary of one coach. It's because of what it does to the people around. Yeah, I mean, I, this, is a, this is a topic that I feel like we need more time than we have to deal with. I, I agree with some of what you said. I, I have some disagreement with some of what you said. Uh, overall, I think you're correct. Uh, I, I think that there's gray area here, and that's the thing that makes it so hard. But at the end of the day, ultimately, ultimately, at the end of the day, don't harass people. Don't do things like this. Don't sexually assault people. Don't, and, and I'm not saying that's what happened. We don't know. Just that something happened that was non-consensual. Um, don't do that. And don't, don't break rules if there are rules for a reason. Um, and as far as the NBA goes, like I, I, I am going to keep saying this apparently till it, it stops happening, but it'd be really great if there were specific policies and procedures in place for these things, because these things continue to happen. Frankly, as a woman in sports who is, uh, who, you know, I mean, I've been open about the fact that I dealt with domestic abuse and, and, and 
sexual assault. Like uh, these are things that I'm exhausted. Like yeah. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Yeah. And and I know that you know we are because it's important, and I get that. But like I, it's just exhausting. And let's just I, I, I will say it, Dee. I I don't know if you can or not, and it's okay if you can't. But I will say it. If you are in a position of responsibility and authority in a an organization that bars you from mixing a intimate sexual role with people in that organization. That line just has to be drawn. I live with it every day, I will tell you, because I'm at I'm actually at the top of two organizations really, the Slow Blazers Edge Microcosm, also the church I work at. And that means that there are whole swaths of people that are just I know going in, that line can never be crossed. I understand that my profession was an early adopter on this because we saw, we've seen the harm that this causes. It needs to be broadcast across everywhere. That when someone comes to work within the umbrella of an organization, automatically means that within the context of that organization, mixing a personal intimate relationship with that is is not okay. Now, are people going to come up with exceptions and say, but this happened, okay. I understand, but exceptions don't contradict the rule, number one. And number two, if it turns out well, you probably it's probably happening outside. You know what I mean? It's not like in the context uh, of this. I mean, you, I, I, I appear to be contradicting myself. Don't want to go too much into it. But it, those are places where it worked out well. The power dynamic was probably minimized. And probably the people involved went to great care to minimize that. It's a, if you decide to do this, it's a huge risk, and I don't think that we can bail you out or excuse you if that risk goes wrong. It it should not happen. Yeah, let's just let's just be done with that. I'm tired of it. I, I like I, it's it's it is what it is, and it's an unfortunate, terrible situation uh, for a lot of people. But. And what a wonderful way to, to to end the podcast. But you know well, what? Basketball's okay, coming. Basketball's coming. What? Go ahead. So so this week is is training camp. So yeah. the Blazers are currently in Santa Barbara. I leave on Thursday to go to Santa Barbara. Um, yeah. The Oregonian has hired me to go photograph. So I get to go up and, and shoot the team Thursday, Friday, Saturday, which is really cool for me as a kid. I have serious memories of, of my grandfather who passed away a few years ago. This was, you know, this was something we shared and I would get up early in the morning and look through the sports section of the Oregonian with him and look for the pictures of the Blazers. So it's kind of a cool thing to get to do that. Um, it, it's going to be, you know, a lot to talk about coming out of, of training camp. Um, hopefully some of these questions are going to be answered. So that's good. We have training camp this week. Yay. Right. Exactly. And next week, uh, we will be back to talk about all the training camp news for DM Miller. I am Dave Deckard. We will see you again soon. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop. But then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here an alley-oop. She jams it. Boom! Shakalaka! The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent!